we want to be those who worship while we wait. Sometimes your life can feel like it's at a standstill. There's no movement, there's no direction, there's no traction, but you're just waiting. Next month is the 10-year mark that my wife and I and family moved here from Santa Monica, California. 10 years. And it feels like those 10 years have just flown. Moved here with three kids. We've had three others. A lot of other things have gone on. It feels like the 10 years have just flown by. But right before we got here, there was this 10-month span that felt like it lasted 10 years. You ever had anything like that? It's like, I am stuck in time. We found out in May of 2003 that my church in Santa Monica was going to close down after 106 years. And it was coming to an end, and so obviously we were done, and I was had to move on and see if I could find a desperate church to take me. <laughs> no, just kidding. So in May... In May of 2003, I discovered the opening at EBF that you were looking for a pastor, and uh, I applied. And from the time I applied to the time I started here, 10 months. How's your job search going? How's your interview process going? You up for 10 months? And during that time, there's a lot of things that need to go on, a lot of paperwork, a lot of interactions on your part and on my part. And it was, it was a slow time because I felt like very strongly from the Spirit of God that He wanted me here, but I was still in California. And it was going on day after day, month after month. It was just taking a long time. And the wait was excruciating. I was restless. And it was wearing on me. And maybe that's you right now. And you find yourself in a season of waiting, and it's wearing on you. Well, you've come to the right place. For the next six weeks, what we're going to do, a little special here, is you're going to notice some different things, but we are going to worship while we wait, and we're going to do it together. We're going to seek the Lord's face, and we're going to have this great expectation of what he's going to do next in the life of our church, what he's going to do next in your own life, and we're going to worship while we wait and see what he's going to do. Because guess what? God's got to be the one who pulls off your life or it's not going to happen. He's got to pull off the next step, what's next. And until he does, we wait and we worship. And a critical and essential piece of this, of this waiting is something called hope. And it's that hope we find as we turn once again to the book of Romans. So go ahead and go back to Romans, where we've been in for several months now. Turn to Romans 5 as we go to this theme of hope. The next several weeks, uh, up until the end of Romans 8, we'll move in the direction of, of hope. We start out with a justifying faith. But the question is, how do we know that justifying faith is actually going to get us into heaven, right? How are we going to get there? Is that really going to work out? 
when we have such trials and tribulations and waiting and doubts, are we for sure going to get to heaven one day through justifying faith? And what Paul is going to do, he's going to say, look, we're going to get there. Let me give you a lot of assurances. And that's kind of where we're going. And I'm going to connect this to waiting at the end. So you're going to have to wait for me to connect it to waiting. But I'm going to root you deep in God's word. So when we finally come back to talking about waiting again, you're going to go, aha, I get it. And I'm deep. And as I wait and worship, okay? So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read the word of God this morning. Romans 5. And now I want to get you in the mood for reading the Bible, okay? This past week I was watching the Oscar, Oscars, no, Grammys. Get them confused. Watching the Grammys and this guy, Hunter Hayes, was performing, country guy. And in the background on the screen were these inspirational quotes, like from, I don't know, Johnny Depp, <laughs> Steve Jobs, John Lennon. Now, these are little inspirational quotes. And, and sometimes when you come to the Bible, you're like, well, I just need some inspirational quotes. No, you don't. You need deep revelation from God's word, all right? And so that's what this is. This is God speaking to you through your word. This is beyond inspirational quotes. So let's read it with that that depth of seriousness. Romans 5, starting at verse 1. Here we go. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You may be seated. I'm going to borrow my main point this morning from another passage that I think has to do with this passage. So let me put it up there from Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1, 6 is my main point today, is he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Those of you who have trusted in Christ, he's going to take you to be with him in glory. And I've made a really fancy and difficult diagram to help you visualize this. It's your journey. Those of you who are converted are going to make it to glory. For sure, done deal. Trust in Christ, you repent and believe in him. He is going to take you to glory to be with him forever. Now, the issue is you're going to have a lot of challenges. So how can you be so sure that this justifying faith that you have in Christ is going to get you to glory? Now, remember, we're working on our issues with waiting and impatience and what can we trust God with the future. So let's ground this deep. So here's going to be kind of the heading of where I'm going today. Let me put this heading up for you. 
we're going to look at some confirmations of a secured final salvation. Or to put it another way, assurances from God's eternal love for you. So I'm trying to confirm in you that the work he started in you, he's actually going to save you. And I'm trying to tell you, if you're trusting in Christ for your salvation, he really does love you for eternity. And I'm going to try to give you those assurances and confirm and kind of build up your faith today. And it's going to look like this. It's going to look like Christmas morning. For those of you who when kids, you got presents, you love to open them on Christmas morning, today is going to be one big gift unwrap. Somebody has put it like this. It's like we were given this great big present called justifying faith, where we've been declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. That's true. How do you know that that gift will get you into heaven? Well, you got to open it up. And as you open it up, there's another gift there. And then you open up that one, there's another gift. And then you open up that one, there's another gift. That's what we're going today. We're going to see confirmation after confirmation after confirmation, assurance after assurance after assurance, that if you trust Christ, you will be with him in glory for sure. So let's kind of dig into the big present of justifying faith, and we see that our first present that comes along with that is something called peace with God. Peace with God. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we were Christians, there was this war going on. God, was, his wrath was on us. We were at war with him, but now the war is over. You're no longer a target because Christ was the target that turns away God's wrath from you. He took the initiative to bring his enemies in a relationship with him. He declared hostiles righteous in his sight through faith. And on our end, we saw his work from our former enemy reaching out to us. And we said, I receive your terms of peace through Jesus, through the Prince of Peace. We are now reconciled. And I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way it works. We're no longer going at each other anymore. But... You can have seasons of your life where you feel like, I have no peace with God. I feel like he's against me. I feel like I'm against him. And you got these emotions raging at your circumstances. you got Satan messing with you. I don't know if Satan ever messes with you, but he certainly messes with me. And it seems like my peace is trying to be disrupted. And, and I was trying to think of a way to explain this to you this week. But thankfully, I, I can show you. And it has to do with the Pope. Let me show you a picture of the Pope. This is the Pope. This happened, I think, last Sunday. The Pope gets to do the coolest stuff. But what he's doing here is he have children on each side of him. And as a gesture of peace, each of the kids are letting this peace dove go. They each let the peace dove go. Now, what you might not know, unless you've been watching the news, that the first dove that was released was attacked by a seagull. It's like, bow. Now, the second, the second dove did not fare any better. Look at the second dove. He was attacked by a crow. I, you can't make this stuff up. Just really, ah, ah. Can you imagine all the kids? Man. Talk about some angry birds. Man. That's a good one, right? <laughs> hey. The doves are okay, I'm happy to report. They survived the attacks. 
But when we have these things coming at us that kind of wants to disrupt our peace with God, what, what do you do? What do you do when you feel like, is God mad at me? You go back to justifying faith. Go back to justifying faith where you were declared righteous and say, okay, I do have peace with God through this justifying faith through Jesus. We do have peace. So we're opening up this present, okay? Justifying faith. And we see peace of God. And we open up that one. And look at gift number two. Access to God. Access to God. Look at verse two. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Faith grants us access to God's grace, which is just another fancy way of saying access into the very presence of God and all the gifts that he brings, that now you, a sinner, can come into the presence of a holy God through Jesus by faith. That's awesome. Now, what I'm going to do in four weeks, I rarely do this, is I'm going to put the sermon series of Romans on pause for one week because I feel totally led by the Lord in reading his word by his spirit that we need to pause and talk more about this access that you have and that I have into the very presence of God. Because I've been reading some things that Jesus said in the book of John to his disciples that apply to us, that he says, I want you to go to the Father and ask big things in my name and the Father will do them for you so that you may bear fruit. And I thought, wow, I want to talk about that. If we have this access, we should take advantage of it. And I don't know how many of us actually do or believe it. I mean, for real, like, how's your prayer life? Are you taking advantage of this access you have? We'll talk about it in four weeks. But keep in mind, a gift justifying faith is access to God. That, that's amazing. All right, so we're tearing into the gifts, justifying faith. Wow, we got peace with God, we got access to God. Look at the next gift we're opening up. It's called the hope of glory. Look at verse 2 again. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's a certain amount of worship that goes on right now because one day we know as believers that we are going to be in the presence of God and we worship as we wait for that day. We're going to be in glory with him. We're going to have these glorified bodies free from sin and we're going to worship him forever. And this is our secured hope. Let me give you a definition of hope from R.C. Sproul, great scholar. He says, hope is merely faith looking forward. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I was reading another scholar, John Murray, who adds to it, and he says this. He says, we project ourselves into the future and hope. Oh, that's really good. So it's saying, even right now, we're sitting here in Evanston, we're like, one day, we're going to be with God in glory. And that is for sure. And that is our hope. And I know as humans, as Americans, we have, we have problems with, this, with, with hope. Because to us, hope means it may or it may not happen, right? That's, I kind of hope it does, but it may or may not. Like, like for example, t- today's Groundhog Day. Did you know that? Are you celebrating it? So the, the idea is Groundhog comes out, and if he does not see his shadow, hope this is right, then there's going to be an early spring. So I'm hoping he doesn't see his shadow. He did. Oh, that's a bummer. 
just ruined it for me. Man, no. But even if he did, I'm still hoping for early spring. But is it going to happen? I don't know. I hope so. Let me show you how the hope on this earth works. Okay, I'm going to do a little survey here. How many of you hope, raise your hand, that the Broncos win today? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How many of you hope the Seahawks win today? Oh, yeah. How many of you hope you can find an extra TV to watch Downton Abbey during the Super Bowl? Whoa, look at that. That's amazing. (laughs) That's great. Like half of you. But see, that's like 50-50. I don't know. It's going to happen. I don't know. It's not going to happen. That's the way we roll on this earth, right? I'm I'm hoping. I don't know. Maybe it's going to. That's not what we're talking about here. The hope we can have as believers is that it's a done deal. You can know for sure that you're going to heaven. Does that sound arrogant? Does this sound arrogant when someone says, I know for sure I'm going to heaven? Does it sound like, well, you're so arrogant? No, 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 no. It's not about our work. It's about the work of Christ. D- don't say, well, you know what? If I'm a good enough person, or you know, I kind of believe Jesus, but if I can kind of straighten myself up, maybe I'll get in. No, no. As a believer, you can know, based on the finished work of Christ, that you will go to heaven. It's not a mark of arrogance. In fact, it's arrogance to say, I'm kind of trusting Christ, kind of do my own thing. That's arrogant. You can have hope of glory because of Christ's work, that you will be with him one day in heaven if you trust him. All right, so you're with me so far. We're ripping open these presents. It's a great Christmas morning. We've got peace with God, access, hope. Well, the next one is you, one you will not expect. It's number four. It's the gift you probably don't want to open. Strengthening, hope, and suffering. You're like, I would like to return that present. Yeah? You're like, I want to return the present of suffering. Look at verse three. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Oh, wow. So now we're going to rejoice in hope, but we rejoice in sufferings. Why in the world would you want to do that? Because suffering amps up or kind of revs up hope. Like how many of you have gone through some terrible times in your life and yet you felt so close to the Lord? That's that hope being worked out in you. That God's just doing this work through suffering, through pain. Maybe it's persecution, relationships, your body's falling apart, and yet you feel close to the Lord. It's amazing how that works. And so we rejoice in our sufferings. And here's the deal. Sufferings produce a chain of effects. Someone has put it like this. You have a chain of effects. You have suffering comes along. It produces this endurance. And endurance produces this character, and then character produces this hope. So uh, suffering comes along, and you go, okay, I'm going to respond rightly. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to trust him. And it starts producing this patience and perseverance and endurance in you. And, and, and I can say that my sufferings in my 20s have prepared me for my sufferings in my 40s. Do you see that in your own life? So the suffering comes in, endurance is being worked within us, and then we start having this character formed in us. We're becoming more like Christ, less attached to this world, give more glory to him, more dependent upon him, and God's working this Christ-like character in us, and then boom, hope. It's getting amped up. It's getting revved up. And you say, well, well, how how does that work? How, How does that feed hope? Because it shows that God is working in you. 
you can see your character kind of changing, not perfectly. I mean, we are standing by grace through faith in Jesus alone to be saved. But those who are truly saved will show some fruit. If you don't show fruit in your life, you're not saved. And so in suffering and character building, you can say, wow, God is doing stuff in me. I'm not perfect. I'm still a mess. But I'm enduring here. I'm trusting him. I see some fruit in my life. He is working in me. What he started, he will finish. And that builds hope. So we don't throw the gift of suffering away. Some of you are trying to avoid it right now. Some of you are trying to ignore the suffering right now. Some of you are trying to push it away. But you need to rejoice in it. That's a good thing. I know, I know. We don't like it at the time, but it's a good thing. It's building endurance and character and strengthening hope. So we're still digging into these gifts. It seems like they just keep getting better and better. And so we have come to gift number five. The gift number five is experience of God's love through the Holy Spirit. Now, this is going to be the most surprising one to you because I know that most people I'm speaking with right now live up here in your heads. You're a very intellectual crowd, not much for emotions or feelings, not much for the heart. And so what I'm going to talk about uh, is, is true, though it might not always be your experience. So let's, let's dive into this here. Verse 5. Look at this gift. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. (laughs) Do you have anybody in your life who's kind of telling you, man, you need to quit hoping in God. You need to quit trusting Him. You need to get your act together and do your own thing apart from God. It's almost like there are some people in your life who are like Job's wife. Remember Job's wife? Job and his suffering, his wife came to me and said, you know, Job, you just need to curse God and die. She was pretty encouraging. And so... And Job's like, woman, get away from me. <laughs> get away from me. Some people may think you're a fool for the way you're standing strong in the Lord right now. But when you're before the Lord one day, you will not be put to shame. You won't do this, but it's almost like you want to say to them, I told you so. I told you so. And not only will we not be put to shame before other people, but we will not be put to shame before God. Our hope will be vindicated. He will not pour out his wrath on us. He will accept us. We will not be put to shame. But how do you know that? Here we go, intellectual crowd. Let's talk about our feelings. Let's talk about our emotions. How do we know we're not going to be put to shame? Because of an experience. Look at it again. God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can experience the love of God by the Holy Spirit. You can know God's, and that he loves you through the experience of his love, which happens in your emotions and your feelings. Romans chapter 8, 15 and 16 testifies to this. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It's an emotion. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So here goes your emotions and feelings. The Holy Spirit kicks out fear. And tells you, confirms to you internally that you are a child of God. It is something you experience 
Do not throw out your emotions. Do not throw out your experience. And it is not always perfect. We are not those who are just ruled by our emotions, our experiences, but we don't want to go the other direction and just throw it all away. You can have hope because often many times at conversion, you experience the love of God. And as you've been saved, you keep experiencing his love for you. But your experience, here's the good news, is also backed up by history. So you're not just saying, oh, yeah, God loves me. I think he does. It's, it's, it's backed up by history. What has actually occurred in time? Your feelings are rooted in history. Stick with me here. This brings us to gift number six. As we're opening all these presents, gift number six is the historical reality of God's love and the cross of Christ. Look at verse six. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know God loves you? Well, you experience it. How else do you know? History confirms it. That God came to you when you were a mess, not because you were so sweet and adorable and lovable. No, you came to you when you were a sinner or rebellious against him, and he reached out to you, and Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, all of us appreciate movies where the character dies for someone who's a good person, but you rarely see movies where the, the character dies for someone bad. I mean, Batman does not die for Joker. You know, this doesn't happen. And so here we are, we have the holy God sending his son, reaching out to die for sinners. It's a historical reality that has happened. His death on the cross in the place of sinners, justified by his blood, declared righteous through faith in his blood. You see all that blood turning away the wrath of the Father. And the question is, well, how does this build hope? How does that build hope? Well, it builds hope in this way. If God has declared you righteous in Christ through the finished work of his son, that he is for sure going to save you from his wrath today and he's going to save you from his wrath tomorrow and on into eternity. Check out again verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall I be saved by him from the wrath of God. Here's something I want you to talk about over your lunch today with whoever you go out to lunch with. I want you to ask each other this question. It's a big theological question. What did Jesus save you from? What did Jesus save you from? And our knee-jerk reaction is say, Jesus saved me from my sins. Yeah. But why do you need to do that? So we come back to the bigger question. What did Jesus save you from? And here's the answer. This is why I want you to talk about it over lunch. You ready? Jesus saved you from God. More specifically, Jesus saved you from the wrath of the Father. Look again at the verse. Verse 9, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. This is why it's good news. God's anger and wrath 
targeted on Christ, the Father's wrath is now turned away from us through faith. And it says, not only did that happen through this justifying faith, but it's going to happen for eternity. So I'm going to build on a previous statement I've made in another sermon, and I'm going to add to it, and I hope this encourages you, and I hope this builds you up in your faith. Are you ready for this? If you're a believer, God is not angry with you today. If you're a believer, God will not be angry with you tomorrow. And if you're a believer, God will not be angry with you for eternity. I don't know about you, but that builds hope. The same God accepts me today through Christ. He's going to accept me tomorrow and on into eternity. I'm not going to face his wrath. That's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to build your hope. And the last gift of this hope builder, as we finish it up, verses 10 and 11. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Mm -hmm. We've been talking a lot about justification, legal terminology. Now we're talking about reconciliation, relationship terminology. That those of us who were estranged now are reconciled. There's no more hostility. There's peace. And if you're here this morning and you don't know God, and you and God are like this, you can really be reconciled by turning from your sin and putting your faith in Jesus. You can be reconciled. And God will not be like a fickle friend who's with you today and is gone tomorrow. You can be reconciled with God forever through faith. So you see, we got this big old, big old present justifying faith. We just kind of bust it open. And man, there's another one there. Peace with God. Open it up. There's another one there. Access to God. Open it up. There's another one there. Hope and the glory of God open it up, and there is another one there. We can rejoice in our sufferings that are purifying. And then we have another gift of God pouring out his love into our heart. He's building our hope, and his, his gospel's rooted in history, and it's about reconciling. These are great gifts that build our hope that what he has started, he will finish. So here we go again with the main point, once again from Philippians. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, you can be sure of it. So, let's see the diagram one more time. Let's go back. He started it. He's going to finish it. You can be sure of it. But here's the deal. If you like that diagram, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you to crumble it up and throw it away. I'm going to explain a little bit what I'm talking about. Because it doesn't work like that. We don't just get saved and boom, we're in glory. How many of you wish we were? You're like, man, why, did, why, why didn't God just kind of save us and go ahead and take us to be with him? Why do we got to go through all this? And you say that, right? I hear it all the time. Why do we got to go through this stuff? Why can't we just get boom and boom and we're there? It's because there's a journey going on. It's a journey in your life journey in my life. And a lot of times on this journey, you have to wait. And you're stuck, some of you, and you're waiting. And there are things that are going on while you're waiting. I mean, I can just 
just think about the things right now that you're waiting for. I mean, it can be small things to big things. Like right now, some of you are just waiting for a date. It's like, would somebody please ask me out? The guys better not be saying that. (laughs) Ain't nobody asking you out, all right? And then you're like, okay, now I just want to get married. I'm waiting to get married. And then when you get married, you're like, man, I'm having trouble having kids. I'm, I'm just waiting for some kids. Oh, now the kids have finally come along. Oh, I got to get rid of these kids. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait till they move out of the house. It's like a lot of waiting. And then, and then, and then I mean, it could be what, trivial again. Like some of you are like, man, I, I'm just waiting for this semester to get over with. This has been the hardest semester. It's difficult to get it over with. And some of you are like, I'm waiting to see what I'm going to do for this summer. I don't know. I'm waiting. And some of you are like, I'm just waiting to see what's, what I'm going to do with my life. And then many of you are waiting and suffering. Your body is just not working. Some of you are waiting in your mourning. You're sad, waiting for it to pass. Some of you are waiting in your depression. The clouds won't break. And some of you, some of you are, are even waiting for some spiritual breakthrough. You just keep doing the same stupid sin over and over again. You're like, am I just ever going to grow up? I'm tired. Waiting, waiting, waiting for some movement. God is with you in your waiting. He set it up that way. He didn't just say, get them saved and give them to me. Boom, boom. No. It's not the way it works. Take the diagram, throw it up, because that's not the way God set it up. I have created a very high-tech diagram of how it works. This is how it works. Boom. That's the way it works, right there. You're waiting. You have a breakthrough. God reveals something. Sometimes it's small hops. Sometimes larger things are revealed. And while you're waiting, you trust and you obey until God shows you what's next. And right now, some of you are just waiting. What do you do? You trust him. You obey him until he shows you what's next. And you trust him and you obey him until he shows you what's next. Because if God has started the work in you and he's going to finish it, Surely along the way, he's going to keep working in your life and you can trust him. My brothers and sisters, my goodness, if you can trust God for eternity, can you not trust him for what's going to happen to you the next six months from now? If you can trust him for eternity, can you not trust him what's going to happen the next six weeks from now? If you can trust him for eternity, can you not trust him what's going to happen the next six days from now? Can you trust him for the next six hours from now? He started to work. He's going to get you there. But you've got to trust him in your waiting And so while we wait, we worship. That text we just read is filled with worship. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ who has reconciled us. We are those who wait, but not passively. We worship while we wait. Let's pray. God, you are just doing great work in us. And I know some of those in, people in here right now are really in pain because they, they're, they're just hurting right now. My brothers and sisters are hurting and they're waiting and they don't know where the resolution is going to be, when the cloud will lift, when the breakthrough will come. And I just ask that you would be with them right now and encourage them that the work you've started in them, you will complete it the day of Christ Jesus and you will even complete it today and tomorrow and the next day. It's part of the process. So may they trust you in their journey. May we all trust you as we wait on you and the work that you're doing in our life and you will do. 
In Jesus' name, amen.